as women, it's so important to be promoting each other and sharing each other. We're not in competition. Life is not a competition. You know, it's, no. it's, a, it's a joyful thing and we should be promoting each other. If we're not promoting each other's shows and things like that, I mean, what's the sense? Welcome to another insightful episode of Parent Entrepreneur Power. In this podcast, Mary Catherine Johnson and Evan Johnson highlight the successes and struggles of parents in business. They share how to be the example of success in entrepreneurship to foster the same in your child, and so much more. Are you ready to power up? Okay. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Parent Entrepreneur Power. I've got my amazing co-host slash mom, Mary Catherine Johnson, with me today, as always. And uh, we have Dory DiCarlo as well, our incredible guest. Uh, Dory, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. So uh, for those people who are not familiar, tell us who are you and what do you do? Okay, as you said, my name is Dory DiCarlo. I first and foremost am a mom, you know, and a mompreneur from 1994. The noise you'll hear in the background, I'm actually up at my son's house because he and his wife are recreation directors in a nursing home, and it's Olympic week, the last, next two weeks, and they do all of these things. And so they asked me if I would come up to stay with my granddaughter, who's a year old, who's having a bath. You'll see the dogs in the background. I'm over here on the couch. And that's the life of a mompreneur. I'm the founder and host of Word of Mom Radio and the Word of Mom Media Network, and also the founder of Safety Bags and StadiumBags.com. So just a busy woman who loves life. And as long as I have a computer and a phone, I can work from wherever I am. Life is good. <laughs> that is amazing. That's, oh, is. that's my favorite part of being an entrepreneur. As long as, like, you know, my work uniform is in my pajamas and my phone. And then uh, that I, I never do. I never wear my, nah, ever. No, she's, you know she's what? a dress up for work. She's a dress up for work. Yeah. You know what? It's so funny. Even during the pandemic, my mom always, since I was 14, put mascara on. People know you're my daughter. And my mom's gone. 27 years. I put mascara on every single day, even though I was by myself in my house in isolation. I still got up. I've always done a casual Friday, you know, and all I have to do is put my shoes on, brush my teeth if a client called or anything like that. So I never fell into the, oh, I love working from home. I can be in my PJs, but walk on for people who do. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's me. I can't. I need, I need to be in my pajamas. It's comfortable. That's, that's how, that's, that's how I function. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I think I, I love that you're, uh, you're able to, you have that location freedom. I think that's one of the best parts about being an entrepreneur, honestly. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's so funny because being part of word of mom and word of mom media, my grandchildren are part of my life and, you know, hearing her in the background, I'll say that to women as I'm interviewing them every once in a while, I'll have one of them there. And it's like, you know, if you have a problem with my grandkids in the background, word of mom is probably not the place for you. <laughs> I think that's an oxymoron, you know, it's having true. a problem with kids and being on a word of mom radio. 
Exactly. You yeah. Know, I mean, they're part of our lives and, and let's face it, you know, Mary Catherine and I go, we go way back. You know, she's been on the show sharing her book, sharing her business, all of the evolution that has gone on. And it's so much fun because, I mean, I go back to hearing the story of when she was pregnant with you, Evan. And you know, so we just have such a lovely history. And I love seeing the evolution. And now, you know, here you are doing this with your son. I mean, that's just what an amazing thing, you know, mom to mom. I am pretty awesome. (laughs) You know, and, and you have an awesome mom. So why not? Yes. I learned learned from the best. We get to have fun. You know, every day we get to wake up and um, enjoy what we do. Enjoy working together. Enjoy talking about how we're, what the things we're going to do. And, you know, the, the story of uh, when I wrote that book with his brother, when I was uh, eight months pregnant with his brother, Riley, and broke my legs. And Evan was this little toddler that was just basically, you know, hanging out, trying to figure out what the heck's wrong with mom, right? (laughs) Why isn't she, why isn't she playing with me? Because I was, I went into a complete depression when that happened. And uh, luckily he is the one that snapped me out of it because he basically looked at me one day and said, you know, mom, can we play cars? Like we always do, you know, on the floor playing cars. And I snapped at him and went, no, no, I'm not playing cars with you. It, like I was in my, it was about me. I was in this world and just not feeling good. Casts on both legs up to the knee and a big old eight month pregnant belly. Can't do a darn thing. Can't go anywhere. Can't do, can't be autonomous. Can't be the type A that I was. And when I saw the look on his face, like that was it. And that's when it started for me, the drugs, the alcohol. <laughs> Uh, it's been rough ever since then. He Living hit the, the bottle street. really quick. Oh, I did. <laughs> she wouldn't play cars with me. So what, what was I to do? Figured I'd go play drink with the with the everybody at the local the local watering hole. Yeah. He grabbed that formula and off he went. Oh. Off he goes. <laughs> the bottle, yeah. Hit it hard. Oh my gosh, that was so good. <laughs> Yeah. So there you go. We have a few months sober now and we're, we're, we're working together. I'm back in. Oh my God. You're so funny. (laughs) Oh, and he delivers it with a straight face, you know? (laughs) That was great. great. Let's face it. Sometimes the best medicine in the world is just that little one who they don't understand. No, you know, they're, they're nothing. They're just pure innocence. They're pure love. That was my grandson in all the, he's three. And I gave him his first time out the other day. Exactly. Thank you. He, and I I just looked at him and I was like, that's it. You have to go into a timeout. And he just went, I I pulled out a chair and he sat down. I'm thinking to myself, Oh, I guess you've been having a lot of timeouts lately, huh, Brad? He knew what it was. Yeah, knew where to go. He just sat down. I set the timer. I said, you're done. He's like, okay, Mimi, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm sorry, too. Give Mimi a kiss. I don't ever want to have to do that again, okay? He's like, okay, Mimi. It's just like, I'm serious. It's like, that is not my job. My job is not having to give you a timeout. But I can't let you just 
throw a tantrum like that. And, 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 and what, but yeah, it was so funny. He just walked right over. It was like, dang. Oh, <laughs> oh they are just so amazing. They are just so precious. So how many kids do you have? And, and, uh, are any of them entrepreneurs? I have three children. It still catches in my throat. My oldest is 33. My son who I'm with right now is 31. And so I have two grandchildren. My oldest has the grandson. My middle one has my granddaughter who's a year old. And my daughter is 29. And if anyone in the family is a quote unquote entrepreneur, it would be her. Not that she has her own business at this point, but she is traveling the world, learning all different mediums. Right now, she had been living in an artist colony in New Mexico, and they have this performing, this troupe that performs. And she'd been doing photography for them and things like that, but she's a wonderful singer and she dances and does all kinds of stuff. They're doing a small roadshow and she's now fronting the band. And it was, she was like, mom, this is so out of my comfort zone. And I was like, yes, because that's where life begins is totally out of your comfort zone. And so she's getting some yoga certification and thinking about, you know, starting to teach. And, you know, so it's if I have anyone in the family that that will follow that way, I think it will be her. But we'll see. You know? And you you have a, a history in theater and performing arts and all of that as well. So kind of a natural progression, right? Yeah. And it's so funny because when my kids were young, my friends, because all of them sing and they, everybody was like, why didn't you put them into theater? And I started doing theater professionally when I was 12. I didn't go to my high school prom. I was in a show, yeah. you know, and childhood to me is a journey, not a race. And I, none of them had that where it was like, no, I want to be doing theater. If they had wanted to do it, I absolutely would have brought them along. I was director of theater in a college. They would come with me to rehearsals and things like that. I introduced them to Broadway when they were eight. I started taking them to Broadway shows and things like that. So they always had the background, but I didn't want to push them because again, my childhood was spent on stage. And at 12, people thought I was in my 30s. So I was doing adult roles and things like that at 15, 16 years old. And, you know, I didn't, I, I wanted them to actually play sports and have fun and go to their prom and yeah. <laughs> you know, do those Well, and anytime, anytime we, we push something on our kids, they're going to want to go the opposite anyway. So um, at least that's what I did. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. We won't go into that story, but anyway, uh, <laughs> that's how I got married. My parents told me, no, I can't. I'm like, ah, watch me. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Luckily he's still around. So that's good. Uh, must've, must've picked a good one, but, um, but yeah, so that, I mean, really to be able to allow our kids to make those choices, but expose them to the things uh, that they can. I mean, we don't, living in California, we don't have Broadway. I'm not down in San Francisco. I'm about, we're about two, two and a half hours away, but we have a local part of UC Davis. Uh, the, the university here is a performing arts center called the Mondavi Center. And it is one of the most amazing places. And we've been bringing the boys to that. I mean, I don't even know if Evan remembers how young he was when we started going and 
and going to watch performances and and uh, see different shows. And they have an amazing uh, children's theater with all kinds of um, musical uh, performances and and big name stars coming. Like they got to see the Wiggles when they were little, right? Um, the yeah, highlight little- of my life. To be completely honest with you, because I, I high fived one of the Wiggles, the red one. Oh, how cool! So it's pretty much been downhill ever since then. But <laughs> it, it's it it was really good. But you're off the bottle. So yeah. That, so yeah, thanks. Yeah. For that. The Wiggles were a big part of my recovery. To be honest. <laughs> Of course they were. And they were because you probably stopped using a bottle around that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is it's really funny. It's so funny. I've got to tell you, because this is a kid. Once he finally because I couldn't get him to to take a bottle when I had to go back to work. So finally, he took a bottle. Right. So but this is a kid that would not drink milk out of anything but a bottle. So he would drink other things, you know, soda or, you know, juices or water or whatever out of any cup or glass or sippy cup or anything, but milk, which he had to have every day required, he would only drink that out of a bottle and only warm. So, I mean, we're talking until he was probably four, four and a half, he would only drink milk from a bottle, like an old regular old bottle with a nipple, like he was a baby. So yeah, he was on the bottle for a while. <laughs> yeah. The trauma. <laughs> I know. It was rough. Is the only place Such I challenge. could turn to, but you know, I'm okay now. Thanks to the wiggles. You know, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what and it's that's all about. And that's what it's all about. You have to there turn you yourself go. around. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. That was my daughter. My daughter, I used cloth diapers with all three of my kids. So my oldest was two years, four months. Rob was two years, two months. And my daughter at 20 months old, I went to put a diaper on her and she looks at me and she goes, no diapers. I said, then go to the bathroom on the toilet. And she was like, okay. And that was it. She was done. Now, a friend of mine had five daughters. My daughter's favorite toys were Batman and a hammer because she had two big brothers. She spends one day with five girls. Now, Rachel was almost a year older than Courtney and was still in diapers. Courtney was wearing Barbie panties. Well, Courtney wakes up the next day. She wanted a doll carriage, her nails polished and everything else. Rachel woke up the next day and said, no, I want panties like Courtney and was never in a diaper again. So both of them, they had like this life changing meeting Courtney was two, Rachel was almost three, and it just completely, it was so funny. It was my daughter got that estrogen surge, then all of a sudden became a little girl, wanted a dress, and it was, you know, it's amazing as you watch your children grow, and now, I mean, I am so blessed to watch my sons with their children And it's so funny. I mean, my granddaughter is, she just started walking a couple of weeks ago and, and babble, babble, babble talking. And so mom and dad got home today and she's ripping through the house, just with a piece of paper. And then they just are cracking up. They're outside and playing in the pool and she's naked and they're throwing her in the air. And it, it's so much fun. It's the most rewarding thing in the world. It's the icing on the cake. Yeah. You know, it's why we did everything we did as parents to finally get to sit back 
And when my kids are, you know, can I watch the baby? I'm like, I'm packing up now. Sure. I'm on my way. I I just got to tell you, Evan, uh, do not feel pressured at all at all to provide any kind of grandchildren for me. I will be fine. I, as a matter of fact, please, please uh, abstain from such thoughts. Oh, yeah. Because way, I, way I'm going to be soon after rehab for that. <laughs> I'm going to be traveling and I want, it's all about me. Of course I want to travel. I don't, because when you do have children, if, and when, if uh, I'm, I'm here. So that means I'm not somewhere else. So I want to be somewhere else first. Right, and right. then, then I can be here. That works out you know because what? I had no plans to have a baby uh, in the near future. Good. You know what? Both my boys <laughs> were very 30. good. Both my boys were 30 before mm-hmm. they had their first yeah. children. You know, or had their children. I, you know, I and my middle son, I mean, they were married five years. They've been together 11 years. Never once did I ever say, you know, when are you making me a girl? No. Ever. I I hate it. I hate that so much. I mean, no one in my life says that to me. Thank goodness. No. No. But you see that on TV shows and stuff. And I feel like before long, some of my friends are going to start getting that from their relatives and stuff. And I'm like, that sucks so much. You know what? what? I did it. I did the I, same thing. We were married 15 years. My husband and I were married 15 years before we had kids. And uh, of course we got married very young. Thank goodness we waited. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's all we kept getting all the time. When are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? When are you gonna? And I'm like, leave me alone. It'll happen know, if, and when it's going to happen. But here's the thing. One of the reasons that you don't do that is you don't know. You know, perhaps somebody isn't having a child because they can't. That's right. And so often I have a friend who they are constantly, oh, your husband's, you're really lucky that your husband's okay with the fact that you can't have children. And you know what? They don't have children because her husband can't have children. Not her. Yeah. But she weathers the storm and everything else and holds her head up and is never going to throw her husband under the bus. But it's amazing to me that it's automatically must be her fault. Isn't that crazy? That's just so crazy. And what if they choose to just not have kids? What, what, I mean, it is a choice you can make. Absolutely. (laughs) Thousand percent. You actually have the right. Too many people who have kids shouldn't have had children. (laughs) That's for sure. You know, for me, all my life, all I ever wanted to be. When people say to me, you know, did you, when you were growing up, what did you want to be? I wanted to be a mom. Same here. I just wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. It was not something that I ever thought I wouldn't do, you know, and, but nobody prepares you for being a grandmother because the feeling I was saying that to my son Father's Day a few years ago. We were work, walking his first Father's Day, and there he is pushing his little boy. I said to him, I said, do you ever think you could love someone this much? And he was like, no, not at all. He said, it's unbelievable. And I said to him, you know, multiply that by infinity. And that's what it is. When they hand you your child's child, there's nothing you can't. You never think you can love anybody more than your own kids Mm -hmm. until that. And, but I have figured out the real reason is they're the only people you don't have to say no to. It's not my job to raise them. Please. Thank you. Did you wash your hands after you went to the bathroom? Pretty much good. I mean, even having to give my grandson a timeout, 
that's more for my sanity of him remembering that you're at Mimi's and you can do whatever you want, but you still have to, when Mimi says it's time or this or that, you have to say, okay. You know, I never want to say no to you. So you throwing a tantrum, you know, he one time was the funniest thing there. He came in, he didn't want to come in from outside and he threw himself on the floor, took a deep breath, staring at the ceiling and just screamed until all the air went out of his body and took another breath to do another scream. And I just went, (laughs) are you done? And he just went, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm done, Mimi. Oh, and of course, of course, Mimi's the only one who can do that. Um, Of course. Yeah, that would not get the same result. Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) It was so funny because I told them they were like, yeah, we've tried that. He just screams louder and longer. And I'm like, you know, that's where it's like, well, I guess you're going to scream yourself until you're like. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the way it goes. Nobody died from screaming. Go ahead. Mom, with, the, with all that said, uh, mom, don't get too excited about how great having a grandchild is okay. uh, for quite a while. So yeah, try to no. not, not get too I'm, excited. I'm, I'm good. Okay, cool. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. I, w- I will be fine. I'll, I'll take other people's kids. I will I will be I will take I love the toes. They're like little like little sausage toes. I will just bite up and eat up other people's baby's toes. I have no problem with that. I'll wait. I will enjoy other people's kids. I will be fine. Don't eh, fine. Totally fine. <laughs> yep. you Not, the cool you auntie, the cool friend. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. So Dory, did did you when you started in Mortif Mom, um, were your kids already grown? Uh wow. Uh, 94? Not, well, actually, I not started quite. Word of Mom. Teenagers? Uh, I started, they were 15 years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, so Courtney teenagers. was 14, 14, uh, 16, 18. So, and it's so funny because I started on blog talk radio on another radio show called the three wise girls. And I did a two part segment on mompreneurs, women like me building their businesses from home. And after the second segment, Linda Alexander, one of the hosts said, you know, you found a niche and this is really what you are passionate about. You should really consider going for it. And that was 15 years ago. I did Word of Mom for about three and a half years, took some time off, and then began Word of Mom Radio, wanting to brand it as its own radio show. And we're going into our 10th year. And it's amazing. It's amazing because now we have other hosts that host under our umbrella. We have wonderful shows that have just started. Brave Healer with uh, Laura DeFranco. She's with Brave Healer Productions, and she has a publishing company sharing, you know, women and, and everything. And, and we have that, we have Jeanette Paxia who does ordinary people, extraordinary lives. And it's just the everyday people that she's met in there, her life that aren't entrepreneurs or anything else, but just have extraordinary stories as to what they have been doing and kid fun with Charla Felcher. She's got a wonderful book, kid fun and more. And she is kind of sharing background people that have written children's theater and children's music and, and all of that. And we're getting ready to do Shaboost, which will be an actual kids show. So really fun to just see how things are evolving. And then we have our Viva Moms After Dark, the second 
Friday of every month with these two wonderful women who have Viva Cafe Con Leche on Facebook. They do a Facebook Live on Tuesday and Thursdays. And it's so fun because one of the hosts, Margarita, um, is like, I speak three languages, English, Spanish, and profanity. And so it's so fun because with Moms After Dark, it's from 10 p.m. to midnight. It's an R-rated show. Rock on. You know, yeah. so, but it's it's really fun just watching the evolution of this show and how many women we reach and feed spot. We were named the number one podcast for mompreneurs since 2018. We've gotten, we've stayed in that number one spot for, you know, three years now. And let's face it, my sparkling personality is only going to get us so far. It really is testament to the wonderful women that I have been so fortunate to meet along the journey. As you know, Mary, because there are so many stories out there and we have that same mindset. When you win, I win. I win, you win. You know, we together as women, it's so important to be promoting each other and sharing each other. We're not in competition. Life is not a competition. You know, it's, no. it's, a, it's a joyful thing and we should be promoting each other. If we're not promoting each other's shows and things like that, I mean, what's the sense? Yeah. It really, yeah. It, you know? Yeah. It, it's silly. I know I, I when I, cause I have a, a training program where I teach people how to grow an agency or a service-based business. And, uh, and especially with marketing and things like that, most of the students come in and they're, they're very intimidated by the fact that there are other people already ahead of them that are already successful in the same niche that they might want to serve. And the first thing I tell them is there is no competition. There is none whatsoever. I don't care who you are, because we all have a founder's DNA. We all have experiences we come from. We all have educations that we've had. We all, we all have obstacles we've overcome in a very unique way. It might be the same obstacle. We might have the same imposter syndrome to overcome, but we each do it in a different way. And all of that contributes to who we are and how we serve. And that is nowhere near the same as someone else who might be serving the same audience, but in their own unique way. So all you have to do is embrace who you are, what you bring to the table, your experience, your knowledge, all of that, and don't put your blinders on. Doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Just do what you do best from your DNA, your founder's DNA. And there is no competition with you. So once you open that up, that whole abundance mindset just fills right into it. And you can, you can, you can work with anyone. You can part with partner with anyone. You can collaborate with anyone and it, and you never feel competition. The only time I ever feel competition, if I feel competition with someone else, I know it's coming from me. I know it's from my own insecurity about what they are doing that I should be doing or want to be doing. And I just check my own insecurity and the competition goes away. Good for you. You know, it's amazing. I, I think about it in the coaching field yeah. because I've been doing business coaching for people for decades and life coaching and things. And one of the things I did for myself during COVID was now there's, you can get certified and I don't have somebody on our radio show. If they're not a certified coach, I'm not going to bring you on because anybody can call themselves a coach. Mm -hmm. So 
I said, you know, it's time to put my money where my mouth is and got my certifications and a whole bunch of different things. But the most important one, lifestyle coaching is one thing. Business coaching, it's mindset. Yeah. Mindset is everything. Until you change your mindset, business coaching isn't going to matter. Lifestyle coaching isn't going to, none of that is going to matter. And the thing is, even as a coach, we could be certified in the same exact thing. Everyone has a different approach and everyone isn't for everyone. You know, for me, I work with three people. That's it. I will take on three people at a time and go for anywhere from three months to six months, whatever, because I want to give them my best. There are other people that that's all they do is coach. And they might have 20 or 30 or 40 people. I I could never keep track of it. I really couldn't. And I don't know how people can be effective that way, but they are. So rock on, you know, but no one can be everything for everyone. I have a clear bag company. People say to me, you know, what about your competition? Said, we really don't have any competition because nobody makes the quality product we make and everything else. But here's the thing. It would take 500 companies just here in the United States. There are 18 million kids under the, you know, just school age. You have how many hundreds of millions of people who go to ball games and things like that. No one company could handle any of that. It's hundreds of companies that have to do it. So what competition is there? There's enough to go around. We can all do this. If anything, I've raised the standard. So come up to our standard, give people a product cheap is expensive. You know, and people work hard for their money. They should buy a product that is actually going to last, mm-hmm. you know? And so if I've, if I've helped do that and raise the industry standards, great. But I've never felt like there's competition because again, no one company can be anything to everybody. You can't. Absolutely. Very true. <laughs> so with you being an entrepreneur, did any of that, I know that only one of your kids is kind of an entrepreneurial path, but did you see that rub off at all on your kids as they were growing up? Well, you know, it's funny. As a parent, I don't think you think about that kind of thing. Am I rubbing off on my kids or anything like that? I did what I did because it enabled me to stay home with them and work around their schedules. So... I have sons who know how to cook and know how to clean and know how to take care of a family. And, you know, in that sense, those are the things that rubbed off. The, the sense of caring, the sense of being present in their children's lives, especially as fathers, because as fathers, very often we get to, you know, they get to come home because they got a wife to, to do all these things. And, my sons learned that it's everybody's responsibility, that it's not just, I used to say to them all the time, I'm the mom, not the maid, you know? So I finished cooking dinner, my job, you know, you guys clean the kitchen, you do this, you do that. And times that I would get stuck. I, one time my brother needed my help and I called my oldest was a, a senior in high school. And I called him at school. I was like, please, cause this is before cell phones. 
I'm like, please don't let him think that there's anything wrong. Let him know when you get him out of class that everything's fine. And of course, he was still in a panic because I had never done that before. Mm -hmm. And I told him, look, Uncle Ricky needs my help. So I need you to come straight home from school today. Get your sister off the bus and make dinner. And he said, well, what were you making? And I said, there's chicken cutlet in the fridge. He was like, okay. Not only did I come home to a clean kitchen, my son had made chicken cutlets, salad, you know, steamed some broccoli, made rice, made chocolate chip cookies for dessert and left me a plate all covered, you know, and my friends were just, he did what? (laughs) How did he know how to do that? I'm like, I taught him. My kids have been cooking with me their whole lives. My grandson's three and I make him, he loves my corn muffin cupcakes. Mm. Those are his favorite. And I make them from scratch. He helps me now with everything. So in that sense, that's the entrepreneurial spirit that rubbed off on them. The fact that working together, making it collaborative, working in the kitchen together, it's not just mommy's job. It's a family experience. Those are the things I think that really rubbed off on them the most. Yes. We, um, we did similar things like that too. And, and both, both boys, I'm so, so grateful that they both can live on their own, take care of themselves, clean their, clean everything, you know, cook whatever they want. I mean, it's, it's those basic things. If they don't know them, if we as moms or dads, because, uh, my husband used to, while I was working, we took turns taking care of the kids. So if I worked four days a week, he stayed home three he worked three days a week. I stayed home three and uh, he would go volunteer in the school. And this was at a time, this was in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands when still the dads weren't staying home as much. So he would be the only dad in the classroom in elementary school, helping out. And all the moms kind of like, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you here? What's wrong with you? But they've had that. We, we've always been square pegs in this round society. So it's just the way it is. I love it. And you know what? And it's important because the people that our sons, especially our sons, wind up with. Yes. It's our, it is our job as moms, That's as right. parents, to equip our children. So many kids. I have friends whose kids dropped out of college within a couple of weeks because they didn't even know how to make microwave popcorn. And here my friends were thinking, oh, my parents made me work and do all these things. And I'm not doing that to my kid. And then when their kid came home with their tail between their legs, because they were so scared and did not know how to exist on their own, they looked back and it's, wow, my parents really did a great job preparing me for the world. And I didn't do the same. I resented it as opposed to realizing, look at what they've taught me. You know, and my daughter was halfway through her college degree. And decided she wanted to go cross country and travel because at that point she was working on a psychology degree. She's like, what kind of a psychologist am I going to be if I don't follow my own dreams first? I said, you're right. Go rock on. You may not want to be a psychologist. You're only 22. Go decide what you want to do in your life. And she moved cross country. Next thing I know, you know, she's getting ready to backpack across Southeast Asia for four and a half months and go work in Australia for five months. And her father... It's like, this is your fault. If you weren't her mother, she'd never be doing this. And my daughter was like, thanks, mommy. If you weren't my mom, I could have never done this. 
same words from two different people mean completely different things. It's our job to give them wings. It's our job to let our kids know there's nothing you can't do. If this is what you want to do, go for it. What's the worst thing? You realize it's not what you want to do and you do something else. You don't have to define your life, especially in your 20s. I'm 60. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm still trying to figure it out. I really am. Same here. Same here. And and college. I mean, Evan could talk uh, talk to us for hours about uh, college. And it's whether good. That's... It sucks. <laughs> you know okay, what, Evan? Hours. It's way better. I didn't go back to college until I was 28 and pregnant with my first child. Oh and you know God. what? I'm an alpha beta chi, and I finished with a 393 GPA, having three children through college. Wow. You know? That's impressive. It's a whole different motivation when you go back as an adult. When you go to college right out of high school, you're just, it's another four years of learning. That's yeah. all it is. When you make that choice to go back to school as an adult, with a couple of years under your belt of travel or work and everything else, completely different motivation. And you realize that it actually doesn't suck. It's actually pretty cool. Well, you were doing something that you enjoyed and that you wanted to do and that you'd made that decision that this is what I want to learn and this is the way I want to learn it. We have so many opportunities now to be able to do that exact same thing. And it does not have to be in that traditional school setting. Right. We can learn from anywhere and yeah. anyone. The hardest part is finding that passion, finding that thing you want to do and being brave enough to do it, even though it's scary. I think. Oh, I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really, it's a very case by case thing. I'm not going back to college because I'm already doing the thing that college is supposed to get you to be able to do, right? Have a business. We'll run the business. So it, it very much depends. I don't know that that's what college prepares you to do, but. Or, well, I mean, it's one of the things. It's what a business thing would, a business degree would prepare you to do. Right. Yeah. Not a European history degree (laughs) or an an art degree or something of that. You know what? I have to laugh that you just said an art degree. My friend's daughter got a degree to be a curator in a museum and, you know, she sells insurance. Who's going to hire a 25 year old to run their museum? No. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's really lovely. What a useless degree. I wonder how much and that degree cost. A lot of money. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm going to be paying for a very long time for something that she's not even using. You know, you look back. So, well, you know what? If you look at the average, most people are not in the career that they went to college for. Yeah. You know, Think, yeah. It, it, but that's again why I love gap years. I love the, you know, um, we actually just had OYO Academy on Word of Mom Radio on your own Academy. And what it is, is giving kids life skills that they're not learning at home anymore. Mm -hmm. Teaching them how do you do your laundry? How do you do this? How do you navigate that? They talk about a gap year, taking that time, go travel, go work, go do something else. Don't go just straight into college from high school and things like that. You know, there are so many things because it, at 17, 18, 19 years old, we're well, going to decide what you want to get a degree in for the rest of your life. I mean, come on. It's oh, yeah. not it a even, time in your life. 
that doesn't even exist anymore. I mean, we aren't even in a society where we stay at the same job for 30 right. years, retire from that job and get a pension. The only place pensions exist is in the government nowadays. So really, and don't even get me started on it. I was just uh, going to say, don't start me on that conversation. <laughs> yeah, just don't even get me started on it. So it doesn't even, our world, it does not work that way anymore. It really does not. So why would we still keep an antiquated education system that still prepares people for a world that doesn't exist? Right. In college, I've said this so many times. If you take some time and what your true passion is, is being a doctor or a lawyer, then go to college for that. If your true passion is pretty much anything else, then it's just a very, very expensive waste of time. <laughs> it, you know, it, it's funny because for some people having that diploma, regardless of using it, is a source of pride. Well, that you is know, true. For many people, they're the first per people in their family that have ever done that and things like that. So, you know, there's a different motivation and you never know what motivates somebody to oh, pursue that. There's and no things right like wrong. that. There isn't, you know, it, everybody has to do what's right for them. You know, for me, I look back on my, I mean, I graduated high school. I turned 16 my senior year in high school because I was born in November. So I started early. school yeah. early and then I skipped 11th grade. And I didn't go back to college. I was out of school almost 12 years before I started college. And I started with 18 credits. My brother-in-law was like, are you out of your mind? And every, I was a straight A student except for one class that I'd get that B plus in. And I got to tell you that B plus was the hardest of the grades. The <laughs> A's, they were always writing intensive. Yeah. If I was in a yeah. writing intensive class, it was an easy A for me. Easy I one. didn't have to think about it. Yeah. But yeah, I worked harder for those B pluses than any A I ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I'm in that same boat. I, uh, I was the first one to graduate college out of my entire family. And that was, again, we all have obstacles we have to overcome, whatever they might be. My parents uh, did not go to college, did not graduate from college. Um, my grandparents, of course not. Uh, coming from Italy, they uh, both uh, basically got up to uh, eighth grade. So, uh, or all four of them actually. And, um, and so to actually make myself, it took me seven years to get my bachelor's degree, to be able to figure out and play around at the community college level. And it was free when I got to go, um, that community college, and then to be able to, uh, actually have the discipline and know what I had to do to get into UC Berkeley and graduate from UC Berkeley with a scientific degree. I am absolutely not just proud of that time and what I learned and what I accomplished, but it was an incredible growth experience because I was also married already at the time. And he went to, he went to UC Santa Barbara and I went to UC Berkeley. So we didn't even see each other for like six, eight weeks. Uh, until every six or eight weeks, those were incredible weekends. But anyway, um, they uh, so we it, it was a comp it would that that growth I would not trade for anything. But that was my obstacle. That was my mindset. The first mindset growth I had to experience. Evan didn't need that mindset experience because he already had the ability to see what you could do with or without college. And so he could make a choice. 
as to whether he wanted to grow in that direction and go to more of a uh, traditional education route for his growth, or he could already go a different education route for his mindset growth. And, and that's the, the opportunity to have. College dropout. Yeah. <laughs> you're officially a college right. dropout. Yep. Heck yeah. Well, you know, you're you're on hiatus because, you know, I, I was watch I was reading a Facebook story. This one was 90 years old, finished her college degree. Oh, wow. It's important to you. You bet. That's exactly. Um, you know, you just never know. Never say never. I have learned true. very early in life. Never. The, as soon as you say, I'll never do that. And that comes back and bites you on the butt all the time. So true. <laughs> I will true. say. The next class I was slated to take was a math class. So we'll see what happens. Uh, do you want to hear my... Okay, so <laughs> let me tell you my story. Uh, again, I hadn't been in college. I hadn't been in school in almost 12 years. So I had to take an English and math entrance exam. English was my forte. So we actually... You know, there was grammar, there was this, there was that. And then you had an essay you had to write. And the T, when I got into our first uh, class, English class in college, the teacher read my paper and actually said, this is the first person who ever received a six out of six from both. The, they have two different faculty members that read it. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, we've got some really great returning ed students in this class. And she starts reading my paper. And it was just, oh my gosh, math. I Christmas treed because I don't do math. I'm dyslexic. CBA, CBA, ABC, ABC, CBA, CBA, ABC, ABC. I missed one question and was A exempt from math in college. Because I started on the community college level. And then when I went to my bachelor's, I was in educational math because I was doing early childhood education and behavioral science. And I was specializing in the hearing impaired and developmentally delayed. So it was a tactile class where it wasn't math sitting down math. It was educational math, tanograms and this and that and all hands-on math found out I was a geometric whiz because I could look at things Patterns. and just put them together. Patterns. And it, my teacher was like, oh my gosh, you're a geometric. I said, that's geometry. When I was growing up, geometry was lines and graphs. And she said, no, it's spatial relations. Yeah. It's spatial relationships is what, you know, that is. And we couldn't believe it. So yeah, math is not, but yeah, that's my shh. Don't tell. I Christmas treat the test. Missed one question. A exempt. Oh, my God. Automatic A in algebra. <laughs> wow. I didn't crazy. even read a question. Not one. <laughs> didn't read a question. Oh, my God. I bother. Well, that's pretty much my attitude towards math as well. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> to be honest. Hey, what the heck? Give it a Christmas tree try and it's worked out very, very well so far, you know? I carry a calculator with me wherever I go. There you go. And I got 10 fingers and I've never really needed any more than that. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny. My, my children's father bought our grandson an abacus 
because with an abacus, there is no math you cannot do. Yeah. And that's ancient times. Ancient, yes. Ancient times. There's every single thing that you can do on an abacus. Yep. Never knew that. Carry that around in your pocket, Evan. Yeah, there you go. You need a little mini one. <laughs> I'll, I'll download an app. How's that sound? See, you know, I, I tell you, there's the pros and the cons <laughs> yeah. of of technology. It really is the pros and the cons. Yeah. You know, I it, the only thing I regret when I look back, my kids gr- wish I had had a cell phone back then, just because I think of all of the pictures I would have had and all of the video pictures of her. And probably 40 videos. Of course. That I take of her, of you course. know, first steps and stuff like that. I was a single mom. I couldn't afford a camcorder back then. You know, camcorders were expensive. Oh, yeah. You know, now they're, you know, a dime. You got them on your phone. Why need a camcorder? You know, <laughs> I mean, I, so though that is the only thing I do not. I'm glad I didn't grow up and my kids didn't grow up with technology. Yeah. Facebook yeah. and things like that. My space had just started mm-hmm. when my son was in high school. You're laughing, Evan. <laughs> but yeah. Space, and yeah. the my kid's computer was in my office. So if they were on the computer, I was in the office and he was putting up a MySpace profile. And I said, take that down right now. You want to make friends, you make them at the ballpark, at the park, you know, at a game, at church, at school. You don't need to go online to find friends. You know, that's not what you need to be doing. So I was, my kids were right on the cusp of that. Yeah. And my middle son and my daughter never cared about it at all. Yeah. And even now, you know, it's not that they, they, they have, they all have a Facebook page. They're rarely on it. They don't yeah. post their life on it yeah. and things. And, and then I see other people. Who, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, we do shows on cybersecurity and things like that because, you know, I'm sorry, there are kids that don't understand that suspension of disbelief and that, yes, these are real people, but there are sometimes not real people out there mm-hmm. pretending that they are real people mm-hmm. and things. So, you know, we are growing up in a, in a whole different world now. And, it's it's exciting on one hand and very scary on the other. Yeah. You know, I'm very thankful. I agree. Um, we, Evan and Riley both were, um, well, 98, Evan was born and, and uh, 2001, Riley was born. And uh, neither of them had cell phones until ninth grade, until high school. And uh, the only reason then was because now they are much more independent. They're going to be going places without me. Um, You know, they're going to want to be able to keep in touch. But up until then, I drove them everywhere they needed to go. Either dad or I drove them everywhere. There was no need for it. Even though I got the the comment constantly, not constantly, but quite a few times from both Evan and Riley, but my friends have a cell phone and my friends have this and why can't I have, and you know, most of them had iPhones for crime and sake, you know, and we were just looking at flip phones, you know, and it was ridiculous. And then even then we're talking elementary school kids having iPhones. It's like, are you, do you realize what you're exposing your kid to when they're at elementary school with that phone? You, do you realize what your kid is being exposed to by having that without any supervision? No, not cool. 
So I, I think part of it and and the phones, yes, they do their life on the phone, but not in a social media sense, mm-hmm. not in a sense where they're looking for their validation to post things and get as many likes as possible. That's neither of the boys are are in that world. Oh yeah. I don't post my life on social media. Nobody, you know, I really, I only, I only use it for business. You know, it's so funny. My kids were in the beginning stage of cell phones. They were not smartphones where you had to, you know, number your texts and things. Yeah. And you paid for every minute. Yep. They wound up with cell phones because I had a single mom, three kids, all in different sports. And they each had 200 minutes a month and they knew. Those 200 minutes are mine. The first time you go over those 200 minutes, you lose that phone. And my kids knew if I said it, I meant it. You want to talk to your friends? You can go into my office, hit the conference button. You can conference call your friends in and stuff like that. So you can all, but you do not need to be group chatting. You do not need to, you used to pay for texts. Every text was, you know, 10 or 20 cents a text, something like that. So that phone was for me. Yep. And for me to know where, what field I was picking you up at, what bus you were coming in on, because I could only get to one game a night yeah. and the other two were coming, you know, from somewhere, from somewhere else. else. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, and again, I was on the, my kids were on the cusp of all of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, thankfully, because you're right. You know, you see grammar school kids with smartphones. It's like, that's a $1,400 phone. Mm-hmm. That your kid just takes for granted, they're going to upgrade next yeah. year. Yeah. The and fuck? they have access to, and the world has access to them. To them. I can't imagine That's what right. purpose an elementary school child would have with a cell phone. Like what pur- there's no purpose mm-hmm. for that. Like they're, they're not going to coordinate with their friends, just hang out. <laughs> they're 10. You know, they're not going to, you know, post on social media. They're 10. That's not how that works. You hope. I understand. Yeah. I, I would you know, hope, that's yeah. the whole thing. You hope. They do. They do. I think but, cell yeah, phones are great. Very happy to have one, but I would not give one to an elementary school age child. Me? You know, it's so funny. I have two sons from completely. I've got one who is completely technology based and the other, you know, where I am right now, the reason they have internet in their house is because I watch my granddaughter one day, one or two days a week. And I, they had to get it because yeah. I have to be able to work. They didn't have internet here. They're, you know, they're always outside. And I love that she has that whole influence. My grandson was about 11 months old. We were visiting my girlfriend and he was sitting in a high chair. She had her tablet and she was showing me, we joke all the time about how, okay, we've got She's got four granddaughters, now five granddaughters, and I've got my two grands, you know, I've got my grandson. I mean, come on, we got to get, got to find a way to get this family to merge. And she was like, see my little granddaughter? My grandson started swiping the tablet, found a picture he liked, hit it, and enlarged it. He was 11 months old, Evan. <laughs> this guy was just, Deb and I were looking at each other. My son, Dan, said, you know, mom, he's just a computer genius. It's, it's crazy. He said, I don't know how he learned how to do that. I'm driving about three months ago. All of a sudden my Facebook messenger rings. I hit the, I, you know, hit my thing. It, it's my grandson. Hi Mimi. I'm like, hi Danny. We're talking, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden I hear his father, Danny, where are you? I'm talking to Mimi. 
he on Facebook Messenger (laughs) opened up his dad's phone, opened up Messenger, and called me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's okay. That's some like (laughs) I'm gonna have a future in tech. You know, it's amazing, and it wouldn't surprise me because even as a, a an infant, you know, before he was a year old. He would pick up a toy and flip it over to see how it went on and off. Yeah. And things. I guess we'll be seeing him in Silicon Valley. There you go. Why not? You know, and who knows? Who who knows? It's it's such an open world. I mean, there there's so much there's it's the good and the bad. You know, technology is wonderful. Technology is also, you know, mm-hmm. we're beholden to it. Yep. Double edged sword for sure. Without a doubt. I do use my calculator app quite a lot. <laughs> Me too. I, I will say it's funny. Teachers would always say you're never going to be carrying a calculator around in your pocket. Check and uh-huh. mate. Check well, and mate. Did, but, you know, little did they know. Little, little then, did they know. I you know, would, I would do that. <laughs> you know, well, that's like when, you know, the argument, well, you, you don't use algebra in everyday life. You actually do. It, it's amazing. And, you know, and somebody said to me, well, how do you use algebra in everyday life? So think of something on sale. So if you go to Costco and you can get the big jar of mayonnaise for $5.49, it's a five pound jar of mayonnaise. How long, how much mayonnaise do you use? As opposed to going to the supermarket and now they have, you know, three on sale for the same $5.00. But there are three one-pound jars that are going to sit on a shelf for, for whatever. That's algebra, believe it or not. Who knew? Who knew something that simple was actually algebraic? You know, but it is. You see, that's Maud. That was my first grand puppy. Oh, Long yeah. Long before I had grandchildren, I had my Maudie. <laughs> yeah, and then there's, there's Betty. She's going to be jumping up in my lap in a second, all 70 pounds of her because she thinks she's a lap dog. Oh my. Yeah. Normal. <laughs> That's I hilarious. So best. as as we start to uh, wind on the conversation, we like to end by asking um, if you were to die tomorrow, what would be the entrepreneurial legacy that you would leave for your kids and grandkids to use in their entrepreneurship journeys themselves or if they're not entrepreneurs, they're, you know, whatever they're doing. I guess I would leave them knowing that I've made the difference in the lives of people that I've never even met. That, that has always been my entrepreneurial journey. I love it. <laughs> Dory, thank you so much. You're, you're always so fun to talk to. Thank you for staying in our world and being so willing to chat with us and and hang out and share all these amazing uh, lessons and stories and ideas. And here's to the next time we get to chat. I know. I have to have the two of you. I would love to have you and Evan on Word of Mom Radio. What an evolution, because you've been a guest like three times already. I think it so. so cool to come back on with your son. I just I would think be so that fun. Would be that would be fun. Absolutely fabulous. I'll send you out our info. Because I would love it. I really would. And let's get some of our women onto your show. Sounds you know? like a plan. Absolutely. Send them our way. Yeah. For people who are interested in you and what you do, uh, where can they find out more about you? 
They can find me on Facebook, uh, Dory DiCarlo, Word of Mom Radio, you can look for. You can Google Word of Mom Radio. It's going to take you to Blog Talk Radio, which is where Word of Mom Radio airs. Um, we're all over social media, all with different handles, though, because it's hard to get them all and drives me crazy because I want them all to be the same and they're not. But, um, you know, just reach out to me on social media. I love making new friends. I really do. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parent Entrepreneur Power. Hopefully you came away with valuable tools you can use in your business, life, and relationship with your kids. If you want to hear more about our mission, or if you want more insights into cultivating your parent entrepreneur power, join our movement to make entrepreneurship more accessible to parents and their kids at parententrepreneurpower.com.